Thank you for joining us again for another episode of Rants and Revelations. This will be the last episode in our series on abusive churches. This is the bonus episode, which was referenced a few times called Faithful Are the Wounds of a Friend. And if you stick around towards the end of the episode, we actually read an email that was sent uh, between us during the whole midst of the craziness. And uh, yeah, it's quite interesting. It may a trigger warning, it might be kind of triggery if you've been in a uh, abusive situation, but the goal is not to trigger people, it's that it would be helpful for you and uh, maybe anyone you know who's been in an abusive situation. We will be taking a little break after this one for Christmas and we'll be back early next year. Uh, there's a PSA that's going to drop too. All that information's in, in our little public service announcements. So, Everyone enjoy the episode, Merry Christmas, and God bless. Welcome to Rants and Revelations with Mike and Steve, a place where theology and everyday life collide. The opinions expressed in Rants and Revelations with Mike and Steve are ours and ours alone. We're not seeking to make a documentary with incriminating evidence, we're just seeking to provide an avenue for us to express ourselves, tell our story, and help anybody who may be blessed by it. In doing so, we have changed some names and places for the sake of anonymity and to protect those who may not want their information given out. Well, welcome back to Rants and Revelations with Mike and Steve. Hey, hey. Another party time. Excellent, right? Excellent indeed. That's how we roll. Once again, we are joined... In this episode of Rants and Revelations with the one and only Lance Skifter, the normal spelling of Skifter, the, the usual spelling. Sound it out, people. There you go. You, you got it. <laughs> um, in the last episode, we went over a bit of the wolf and shepherd's clothing, this idea of Pastor Tom, the overarching theme of how false teachers get into a church, how they deceive, not all encompassing, but a bit of our perspective, what we've been through, what we've learned. This episode, we're looking at talking about faithful are the wounds of a friend. And the banter of the last episode hopefully displayed a bit of our friendship, a bit of our love for one another, our ability to just enjoy each other's company, talk about serious things, goof around. And I would posit that the three of us are best of friends in many, many ways. Yeah, I would not argue yeah. with that, <laughs> with yeah, that assessment. Um, I think the, uh, the things that we've been through and the, um, the relationship that we have now uh, is probably better than the relationship that we had before. Yes. Um, primarily because of what we've gone through. And so that would be my opinion on it. Definitely. And just uh, for this uh, episode, we're going to let Lance guide us. This was uh, an episode that he um, proposed and made the outline for and everything. So we're going to let Lance kind of direct us through this one. Um, and we're we're going through, you want to take it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we just start out a little bit by talking about kind of how our friendship, how it, uh, how it formed, kind of how it, uh, uh, developed over, over the time. Uh, it started with, uh, Mike and I, and, uh, about how long, um, had you guys been at church a before I came around a year hard to remember, man, but I feel like it was at least six months. It was at least was six months. It could have been up to a year. Yeah. Within that it, time was a, frame. it was a while. And uh, 
the running sort of commentary on on our friendship is that if you were looking for Lance, you find Mike. If you were looking for Mike, you find Lance. <laughs> Basically, um, where one is, the other is. Yeah, we were like joined at the hip. We were like joined at the hip. Every spare moment of our waking hours um, was was spent together, and that time was spent. Um, Engaging in foolishness, of course. <laughs> Naturally. Naturally. Uh, but also in sort of a mutual discipleship of one another, just diving into the Word together. Uh, we would spend lots of time and lots of cups of coffee at Hoff's Hut uh, oh, yeah. with our doorstop Bibles and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, just really having very deep discussion and very loud laughter. Is it really a legitimate Bible if you can't assault somebody with it physically in uh, size? Now, for, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the smaller, the better. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and the time, though. I use the big one to study, but I, yeah. I don't carry it around with me as a as a weapon of choice. Yeah, anymore. or a badge of honor, yeah. as it were. <laughs> a sign of maturity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, as the sign of my spiritual... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, my spirituality, right? You know, yeah, could be worse. Yeah, I remember um, having some tracts that we would hand out, and I remember one just said "Hell" and had flames on yep, it. Yes, it that? did. <laughs> yes, it did. Indeed. And it was like I gave this to a waitress after she had waited on us, and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. gave her the gospel. It's like, yikes! Yeah. Like in hindsight, but yeah. that's where we were, man. Yeah. We were fiery, and we were already fiery before Pastor Tom. Absolutely. Came in. Yeah. And so it was just peas in a pod. As, as a commentary on that, you guys got saved out of some harsh backgrounds. Um, there was substance abuse for both of you in some capacity. Yeah. Mine, Drastically my, saved out of that. My drug of choice, if you will, was alcohol. Um, and it was a deep dive into into alcoholism. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the, the light of the gospel shining through that darkness um, really... I think set me up for kind of the dogmatism and, and all that kind of stuff. I do notice that that's kind of a, the case is um, people who come out of addictions kind of go through a roller coaster of, of things, whether it's uh, hyper charismatic sort of feelings or super dogmatic legalistic sort of feelings. It <laughs> seems to be one end of the spectrum or the other. Um, my, bent was towards the super legalistic, hyper dogmatic kind of, um, kind of setting. And, uh, again, at, even before pastor Tom fed that, cause the guys that were there before pastor Tom came were not that. Not at all. Um, but I, I still had that tendency already. So. Yeah. And my, my story is real similar. I came out of a background of marijuana abuse and I was like, just grew my first plant and harvested it and was ready to sell all this pot that I grew when God snatched me out of it. And we both, Lance and I, were saved around the same time. We both had similar backgrounds. We were, I mean, it was so, such a God thing mm -hmm. that we, you know, ended yeah. up in the same church at the same time yeah. to have fellowship together. And I even remember um, for a while there, I was like so legalistic. I would get up at like five. 5.30 every morning, and then I was forcing you to walk with me. <laughs> I don't know if I was forcing you to. Yeah, you, you, you didn't did have to try real hard. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, We, but I remember showing up at where you were living around like 6, 6.30 in the morning, and we would walk to the park and back and yeah. talk about scripture. I mean, we really were thick as thieves. Yeah. Were you so legalistic you wore slacks on those walks? 
I no, might have. No, we were not quite that legalistic. Yeah, not, no, not no, on walks. No, we yeah, did but not. But I definitely wore, I remember wearing a suit to church, I think. I did not do that. Did I think I wore a suit to church at that time, didn't I? I don't remember. I don't um, that That's what I remember about Steve, is Steve yeah. wore a suit okay. to church. Well, only Sunday mornings. Only Sunday mornings. He'd come to church Sunday night dressed like a cholo. But he got <laughs> hey, Dickies are comfortable. <laughs> Dickies in a baggy Dickies in a flannel on Sunday night. That was my <laughs> casual wear. Was, the, the contrast was not lost on us. Like, no, it was, it was good. It was a pretty stark the contrast. The great thing yeah. is when you would question Steve about his suit, it was like, well, you bring your best to God. And so apparently God wasn't present on Sunday nights because he did not <laughs> see at least it, At least when, when PT was teaching. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't I, have been present on Sunday mornings either. Yeah, this so. is true. Fair point. <laughs> but, uh. yeah. Um, and so, so Mike and I had a very... Uh, like you said, joined at the hip, very, uh, very fast sort of deep dive into friendship. Really the best of friends um, in, in uh, really genuine ways of like rebuking each other, uh, encouraging each other. Like friends do that. Friends tell you when you're going off track, <laughs> they encourage you, they do all that stuff. And so we had, we had the, the friendship that uh, that was that. Um, Absolutely. And then then Steve started coming around, and I think uh, it was a seamless assimilation into the friendship very quickly became the Three Amigos, which is a little bit odd because you didn't have the background necessarily that we yeah. had. You didn't come from the same struggles uh, that no. we came from as far as addiction goes and things like that. Steve was, was just happy to be in the room. Steve was, Basically, like yeah. right now. And Steve was just <laughs> nothing has changed. Steve was fun to be with. Steve was committed to scripture. Steve was, you know, I, I think maybe in some ways you and I felt like we had something to offer Steve because he was so young. Because right. we were so old and wise, right? Like I think, I think <laughs> we thought we were so mature. I think you and I you know. probably. I, I mean, I don't remember that necessarily, but I think you and I probably felt that in a if it, even if it was subconscious. Oh, I. I actively thought that. I was aware of that whole strain of thinking. Yeah. 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 Uh, I know better now because yeah. I've learned quite a bit from Steve, actually. Yeah. But yeah. at the time, yeah, I thought I really, well, yeah. I, I thought I had really a lot to offer. I, I will say, everyone. I taught you the best of your mama jokes. That is true. I have something to offer there. That is true. I think. Um, the mutual encouragement that the three of us have given each other through the years is, uh, you know, it's nothing. I've never had any any other friendships like it. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about times where that wasn't the case. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right? that's part of the history yeah, of this whole thing. Absolutely, that's part of the the discussion today. But so, given that we we mentioned a little bit in the in a previous episode about the dogmatism that we were inclined to and adopting Pastor Tom's attitude and things like that. And again, I think personality-wise, this doesn't necessarily apply to Steve so much, but the sort of spiritual jerks that we became, the self-righteous kind of... I don't know. <laughs> you might have felt that on the inside, but we we exuded... That <laughs> I remember one time we were in front of the grocery store by your house, 
next to the Del Taco, talking to a guy who was in a cult for like two hours, trying to convince him that he was in a cult. I remember this now. He had a, and it just was like forever. And I remember getting bored. <laughs> I wouldn't let it go. And the irony is then we ended up in a cult. Yeah. That was the, that was the exciting part. Yeah. Full circle. I, you know, I found out in later that I chased more than one person away from church a, uh, because of my dogmatism and legalism and things like that. Um, college age kids that I was, you know, part of that group and, and, uh, because I was just so like, you know, pounding on them, I, <laughs> um, they, they wound up leaving, uh, and who knows did they leave the faith? Did they, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but I, you know, in hindsight, obviously feel very bad about that. Uh, at the time probably felt like, well, they were spiritually immature anyway. So now I don't have to waste my time trying to make them. <laughs> yeah. If you can't stand the heat, you <laughs> right? get out the kitchen. That's right. They yeah. go out from us because they are not of us. Yeah. And that's probably, you know, how I felt at the, yeah. at the time. Um, I think there was a time in our lives. I know for me, for sure, there was a time where um, if I was introduced to someone for the first time, within 10 minutes, I was quizzing them on the five points of Calvinism and basing my ability or my desire to be their friend on, <laughs> on how many points they were. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, like, were, we were what you call born-again Calvinists for yeah. a while. It's cage stage Calvinism. That's a current term for oh, it. Oh, is that what cage, they call it? A cage stage Calvinist. So when okay. you, that's fair. That was yeah, where we were at that's for a where while. We were at. Um, I don't remember it starting off that way, but we we started quickly discovering the doctrines of grace, as I refer to them now. Um, and that's what they're called. Yeah, that's not what you just your word for them. That's true. What called. That, yeah. That's true. <laughs> I mean, that became a real. Um, like you said, it became real distinctive for us. And it actually was as distinctive for us at Church A because they didn't really have a strong stance on that at the time. So we were kind of in the minority, I, if I recall correctly on that. Yeah, I would say that's probably um, true. Though I don't know that it was necessarily... There were a few people who definitely were not super thrilled about that with us, and I'm sure... I, Our college pastor at the time would have preferred that we weren't so hot under the collar about it. I think that's the fair assessment, because I think that um, the people at Church A, many of them were Calvinistic in their doctrine. Um, I think the level to which we elevated the importance of that is what bothered people. We felt like we were being so much more spiritually mature than them and the that time, we had yes. it right. Um, uh, cause even our college pastor at the time, I think would fall under the umbrella of a Calvinist. Um, I hate labels. So Me too. I'm not already, a fan of the Calvinist. <laughs> that already anymore, like, but... that already like makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up even just <laughs> saying that word, just cause I don't like, I don't like labels, but, um, yeah, I'd, I'm I'm very this is this is a rabbit trail, but I'm very anti-tribalism. No, I don't like that 
part of our culture now is how everybody has to belong to a tribe. And I realize that being anti-tribal makes me part of a tribe. It makes me part of the anti-tribal tribe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I recognize that, but it it is, um, I don't like that idea that we just get our information from our tribe and what our tribe says is what we have to believe. Yeah, Um, that's fair. And I I, I despise it actually. Um, So we would have, they didn't fit our tribe even though uh, they had it right and we had it wrong. But at the time we were very dogmatic about that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I remember Steve, when you came around, um, if I recall correctly, you were already kind of in the Calvinist direction too, because you, you guys were going to Grace Community at the time. Yes and no. We we were going to Grace Community at the time, not really involved because of the distance. I remember we had attended a church here in Long Beach area and never really getting fed. The church has proven itself to go be leaning towards going apostasy. Uh, probably. And that was in its, its its beginning stages when I started attending, where you still had solid believers there, but this bent towards pragmatism, postmodernism was taking root in the church. That whole kind of therapeutic, moralistic deism yes. preaching. Yes. Where it's just five steps to be a better dad or yeah. whatever. Seeker, yeah, like seeker-friendly. Very seeker. They're going from a traditional brand denomination towards that where they're at now. And in the youth group, it was a giant click. I was in high school when I got saved. So I went there because that's where my parents kind of went. And we ended up going to Grace and you're getting Bible teaching out there. So I started growing from hearing the word, the preaching of the word. And not really getting any fellowship and not understanding what that was. Still going to public school. So the Calvinist stuff was taught, but not really understood. I remember with you guys is where I really understood it, where it came to fruition where a knowledge of it really came to the forefront of the sovereignty of God and the work that that imposes upon our lives under the doctrines of grace. And so you guys brought me into that fold. I don't think I ever got cage stagey. And I remember it was a discussion among us. I may have, but I don't remember. I don't remember you being anywhere near as legalistic as us. But I I do remember you guys like prefacing it heavily that this is hard to understand and for whatever reason, I was like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. That's in the Bible. Let's do it. And not to where there's a badge of honor. I just saw it through you guys and accepted it. The Lord just worked that way in my life. Where with some people, it's a doctrine that has a lot of tension and a lot of difficulties in it, understandably so. It is a, a thick, dense doctrine to cut, wrap your arms and head around. It was a, to, I mean, it was a tumultuous process for me. Yeah, it was there. for me too. For me, yeah. it was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I was like, all right, well, what do you want for dinner? You know, I want tacos. What do you want, Mike? You're like, what about Calvinism? I'm like, yeah, cool, it's there. Like, I don't get... know what what did God ordain that for me to eat. That might be yeah. the most accurate description. What do you? I want tacos. What do you want, Calvinism? That's, yeah, that's yeah. kind of how yeah. we ate. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it's true. In Calvin's name, Amen. So, yeah. yeah, Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. I would say the roots were the seeds were planted at Grace Church because they're a Doctrines of Grace Church, not that that's where their name comes from, but that's how they function. And so coming to with you guys, it just kind of, okay, well, let's do this. It wasn't foreign language. You had heard it before. Yeah. I maybe didn't understand the concepts, but the terminology had been planted. Anyway, so. 
I, um, that was how that worked in my life. And that's one of the things that, like, even after Pastor Tom came to Church A, uh, there was tremendous spiritual growth and spiritual encouragement amongst the three of us um, and the friendship that we had there that the Lord used that time to grow us uh, tremendously. And yeah. so even in the midst of a bad situation, we see God's faithfulness in growing uh, not only a friendship, but also growing in spiritual maturity and and all of that. Yeah, definitely. Agreed. Tom's preaching actually had enough, there was a good amount of truth in it, and any successful false teacher has to have, you know, a high percentage of truth within a Christian context. You know, if you're talking to people who are Bible-centric, they have to have enough truth in what they're teaching to appeal to people on the level of their convictions and not violate those convictions. So he he was a master at doing that. And like we mentioned, he he just smacked the beehive. Yeah. Real hard. That mm-hmm. was kind of his approach. He was smacking the beehive. I remember thinking, "Oh, he's cleansing the temple." Yeah, I literally said yeah, that. Sure. I, think. Yeah, I remember thinking that too. Yeah, yeah. And he's driving out, you know, all the money collectors, yeah. so separating the wheat from the chaff. Yeah, goats from the sheep. It's goats from the mm-hmm. sheep. All of that terminology was in our, in my head too at the time. Um, and and even in in a sense of like. Because we were going down that path before he was called, it like legitimized what we were believing at the time and how we were acting at the time. It in our minds, I think it like confirmed that. Oh yeah, this is right. That's what this guy's doing too. Yeah, I felt vindicated. Vindicated. Yeah, that's a good. I was like, you see, you see. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There was just this mutual growth and. Like I said, Steve assimilated into our friendship super. It was just, it was seamless. And I had never really had friends like that. I grew up as a loner in many ways. Mm-hmm. Still am in a large degree. But the Lord We're still has, your only friends? Yeah, basically. I mean, it's a sad, <laughs> sad life if that's true. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for all of us. Really. <laughs> yeah, really. So um, finding men who were like-minded, yeah. who accepted me into the fold, who had a similar drive for towards truth... And towards this relationship in Christ, and I think um, attracted I think me, and I grew in it. A very transformation, sort of important time in my life that I can point to one particular event that involved the three of us. That I can point to in my spiritual life was um, on Mike's back patio. He had a fireplace, mm-hmm. and we brought our idols. We brought our yeah our remnants from our previous life. Yeah. Uh, whatever those might have been. Uh, I had a bunch of... Jimi Hendrix CD. That was one of mine. Yeah. I had a bunch of death metal CDs. Yeah. Some of the CDs that I burned, I wish I had back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, my Bob Denver's greatest hits, I really miss. Well, because I'm a lot lot less legalistic now that I wish I had some of that stuff back. Fortunately for digital copies, you can buy stuff now. But but anyway... um, so just burning, you know, and, and having this, this sort of ceremony of burning these old remnants of our life, um, I think that even though we were legalistic 
in some of that, that God really, I know God really used that in my life as a very transformational sort of time. Like this was the start of a new, of a new life for me, you know? Yeah. I remember that. And I remember feeling like, man, why did I wait so long to do this? Mm -hmm. Because it had been probably a year and a half since I'd been saved. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe I waited this long to do this. It felt very cleansing. It did. Yeah. 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 I remember on that same patio also laughing so hard till we all cried. Oh, yeah. I, I had think. to change my pants when I got home a lot of the times <laughs> after we hung out. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. I just wear breakaways now when we <laughs> hang out. <laughs> we had, um, somebody had tarot cards that night, too. That was Mike. That was me. Yeah. And they got, I remember they got thrown in the fire. Oh, and, and I had an anarchist cookbook. Didn't one of them burst into like blue flames or something? It was the like anarchist that? cookbook. Yeah, it was like was it? green yep. flame or yeah. something. Yeah. And I remember the the tarot cards made some weird noises when we threw them in the fire too. It was, yeah. But but again, that was very, it might have just been the material they were made yeah. of, but for us it was very like. Oh. Yeah. yeah. It, it was, was very, very spooky impactful. spiritual. It was really it was. impactful. It, it was, yeah. Yeah, considering um, that it was a very cessationist attitude we had as far as the gifts go, we saw a lot of demonic and signage in doing that. Yeah. You know, which is a kind of strange dichotomy of, of perspective of yeah. where we were. Yeah, and so that that was the kind of friendship that we had, um, and a friendship that that was cultivated and grew all the deeper, even under Pastor Tom and his ministry there. And then we get into where things start going sideways with with Tom and with church a and, you know, sort of fast forwarding kind of through all of that, we wind up with this church split. This church split created a split in our friendship as well. Uh, because, uh, you two guys went with, uh, pastor Tom and the group that he had taken. And I stayed at church a, and continued to fellowship there. And that shouldn't be a big deal. Under normal circumstances, it wouldn't. The three of us go to separate churches no. now, and we yeah. have a very good, uh, very good friendship. But uh, that was not the case when the church split. Definitely. And a lot of it revolved around how Tom preached. Absolutely. Um, and how he used doctrine and scripture, how he weaponized it. Um, He set himself up as a supreme ruler. He started using the doctrines of grace as a weapon to try to separate, as we said, the sheep from the goats. But everyone who didn't agree with him started being referred to as like a goat, a dissenter, or a factious person. And Lance, since you were living with the um, chairman of the board at the time, I started legitimately thinking of you as like the enemy mm-hmm. that chairman too as part of the dissenting or factious group within the church and by the time pastor tom got up in front of the church and started railing against all the elders on black sunday and that whole thing happened um and after that that's when our relationship really had the huge rift kind of placed a Drove huge a wedge. wedge between yeah. us. Yeah, and, and I, I think that, um, I know from my perspective, I didn't fully understand it. Like, I was like, 
what's the big deal? We've been friends. We were friends before him. We could be, friends, you know, like I didn't, I didn't fully understand it. Can I, I, I want to ask you guys when, when that happened, when church B started being established and, and all of that, and there was very clear that this was going to be a, a separation. Was there any reservations in you guys of going with Tom? For me, massively. Okay. Even though I ended up going, my initial knee-jerk reaction was I probably should just go to a different church because this is way too chaotic. Um, and at that time, I perceived Church A as being somewhat immature because of my own immaturity. Um, and I definitely was not fully comfortable with Pastor Tom. There was something not right there uh, that I was I was concerned about his level of anger. But because of my, uh, my fatalism at the time, because of trying to reconcile a lot of the tensions in the doctrines of grace that I, at this point, have finally become sort of comfortable with, at the time I was really wrestling with that, uh, I kind of viewed everything through the lens of God's ordaining hand, and I hyper-spiritualized everything felt like I needed God's stamp of approval to do anything. So when I was invited by Pastor Tom to go to their first elder meeting, I viewed that as God's will. And when they asked me to lead worship, I viewed that as God's will. Well, it must be because I'm here. And, you know, so I just falsely reasoned that it must be God's driven will that I do this. So it was some stuff like that that convinced me. But even going to the first church meeting... I remember this little voice in me saying, hey, don't follow an angry man or you're going to learn his ways and be like him. And I'll never forget that. And that was 100% the Holy Spirit warning me, but I didn't listen because I told myself, well, that's probably just my flesh. You know, obviously this is God's will. (laughs) Yeah, that proverb was your flesh. Yeah, yeah, that's what your flesh <laughs> yeah. does. It, it quotes scripture to you accurately <laughs> in times of, of need. Yes, flesh. that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> on, on my end, there were really no reservations, and some of that was due to ignorance because we came in three to five months before the split occurred. We didn't know all the details, and those who left were people who we had built relationships with mm-hmm. and trusted. And the little we knew of Tom and his family led us to believe that, well, the branding of his background with school, uh, mentorship, and what we do know about him, along with those who are following him, uh, we're, we're going the right direction. Uh, is kind of the perspective we came from. And that was just due to ignorance and lack of discernment in many ways, not being faithful stewards of seeking out other sides. Um, following through with that stuff was where it landed for us. I had a... I've talked about this tension that I was living in as as I was living with the chairman of the board and and really the whole the whole split was billed as Pastor Tom versus the chairman. Like that's kind of how I mean if you had a fight yeah. card if you were making a poster <laughs> that's what it would have been the the main event so to speak, right? That's that was the draw uh if you will. And so yes. so here I am very highly respecting Pastor Tom and appreciating the spiritual maturity that I've achieved under him. I don't know that it was all that much, all that mature looking back, but at the moment 
I felt a spiritual growth that was happening uh, uh, with under his guidance. And then um, very much uh, loving, respecting, caring for the chairman of the board and also having received mentorship and discipleship from him. And really respecting both of these men and, and having them being pitted against one another, I had most I had received from the horse's mouth, as the expression goes, the opinion of the chairman of the board because I lived with him and was able to have personal conversation with him. But I had never really had a personal conversation with Pastor Tom and gotten his perspective, only the perspective of the chairman, right? And so I asked if I could meet with Pastor Tom, and I did. And there were two things that happened in that meeting that I went, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's how you roll. That's the way it goes, right? And one of them was his wife had shown up in the midst of our meeting with some dinner. And he lost it. Where have you been? This is late. Get that out of here. He literally said, get that out of here. So-and-so bought me a steak already because you couldn't be here on time. And I'm sitting right there. It's not like he didn't know I was listening. (laughs) I'm sitting right across his desk. And so I was just like, wow. Yikes. That's how he talks to his wife? Like, that was alarming to me. And then I mentioned... Uh, I think in the previous episode, uh, the declaration that he was unable to air when he was behind the behind the pulpit, and that happened during that meeting. That happened during gotcha. that meeting. Okay. And both of those, th- and and it, it was used in the context of therefore, because the chairman is disagreeing with me, he's disagreeing with God because I'm unable to air air from behind the pulpit. Those were two, the two things said in that one meeting that I went, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to peace out, yeah. right? Like, I'm going like, to. That's nice. You have fun with yeah, that. Yeah. Let me know how that works out And for so I, I decided at that moment that I was going to, that I was going to stay. I can't recall for sure, but I think that was after Bloody Sunday. I think. I think that meeting was after that because it was not long before you mentioned being invited to the first elders meeting. I was just going to bring that up. I think you came (laughs) after in the parking lot. Yeah, I came after in the parking lot. You guys had both been at that meeting. Wasn't it at Marie Calendar's? It was. Yeah, Yeah. it was at Marie Calendar's. Classy. And and I had been – we had planned to hang out that night, and I had been trying to get a hold of you guys, and I wasn't – getting an an answer and then you responded and said this is where you were and I look back on that that whole thing was weird because you didn't say who you were with you guys just said this is where we are oh okay so I went down there and then uh, Pastor Tom and some of the other guys that had left and you know walked out of of the restaurant with you and I was like oh I feel like I've just been tricked to show up here that's how I felt that's I don't know fair. that that was your intention. Uh, we probably were being purposefully vague. I think you were being purposefully vague, yeah. but I, I felt like, oh, they just tricked me into showing yeah. up here. You know? <laughs> and, um, and that's kind of when I realized 
this whole thing's going to affect our our friendship, you know. And uh, by the way, the interesting thing during that time was I asked Pastor Tom, do I need to move out of this house hmm. of who I'm living? And he goes, oh, no, 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 it's okay. Interesting. Stay there. That's all. He he never like advised me that yeah you should flee from those people. That's why that's why the whole reaction to our friendship shocked me because he hadn't asked me to do that. Yeah, he was smart, you know? and I, as I'm sure you picked up on, he's not trying to set off too many alarm bells with the chairman. Right. So if he told you you needed to dip, right? You know that's going to make it even worse. Right. Yep. Yeah. So he's uh, he's playing both sides of the coin. So I show so up. Speak. I show up at this in the parking lot of this restaurant, and I uh, I was not the smartest guy in the in the world. Uh, still, in, still, uh, still join, not. Join I mean, crowd. but but I, I picked up. I don't on, know, guys. Uh, me on the other hand, no. <laughs> I picked up on the fact that my presence there communicated something to some people. It communicated that I was on board with with this idea. The fact that I showed up even late communicated particularly to Pastor Tom that I was going to be part of the new thing that he was starting. The new heavens and new earth. The new heavens and the new earth. <laughs> um, and so I, uh, as w- he was walking to his car, I informed him that I was not going to be leaving church A to go to church B. And there was a the most frightening turn of countenance that I have ever experienced in my life, where he went from very jovial sort of joking around to this flash of hatred in his eyes. And he let me have it, basically. And he told me, like... You you know if you're st- you're apostate if you stay there, um, you don't have to come with us, but you can't stay there, kind of a thing, um, and that sort of solidified for me that I had made the right <laughs> made the right decision. Um, Plus that forked tongue, it was that always uh, kind of factors mm-hmm. in. I've never I've never seen anything like it. It it. Even just talking about it kind of shakes me sometimes when I... I remember your face walking away from that conversation. Not much... If I recall correctly, you didn't say much to us. You just kind of dipped after that. But I remember your face was bizarre, like ter- like scared. I yeah, mean, like, you, you kind of turned white and yes, like, yes. looked like, like you saw a ghost. I, eyes were agape and, yeah. you know, face was long and because of the, the what had just happened. Yeah. I don't remember much after that, but I remember that. I do remember that. Yeah. Uh, and so I left that meeting, that experience, and uh, remember going home and, you know, whatever, sleeping or whatever, getting up the next day, still not fully understanding how that particular incident would affect the friendship that the three of us had. And so I remember reaching out like normal. Yeah. And kind of not getting the same types of responses. Even if I got one at all, I just don't remember. Yeah. Um, well, and I would say pretty quick, and it may have been that night, 
it may have been the next day or within a week, I would say we were instructed to cut all ties. Yeah. It, it happened very quickly and I don't recall exactly when either, but pastor Tom definitely said, Hey, I know you guys are good friends with Lance, but you're going to have to cut him off because he's part of the, you know, cancerous church. Yeah. And we never missed a Sunday. We went from church a hyped up elders meeting forked tongue incident with Lance to church B that following Sunday at a hotel, not the one we ended at, but at one that would accommodate us for at least a couple Mm -hmm. Sundays immediately. We never skipped a beat as far as that church B went. Yeah. And And that indoctrination occurred pretty much immediately. Yeah. And it was around that time that I sent a terrible email to Lance. The... Namesake of this episode. Yes. Yes. The (laughs) subject line was, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And it's probably one of the worst things I've ever written in my life. And (laughs) one of my biggest regrets. The foundation for that title comes from Proverbs 27, verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And... uh, I received an email like that, uh, titled that from uh, Mike that was um, hurtful at the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kind of came out of left field. Like, I I didn't know it was that. You know what I mean? Like, I I knew that our friendship wasn't going to be quite the same, but I didn't know it was going to be that. But basically, it laid out that I was divisive, that I was... Uh, apostate, and that the, you were not going to have anything to do with me anymore. Is that a fair That's summary of the, <laughs> of the It's email? 100% fair. And it was much longer than that, but it, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the summary. summation. Yeah. 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 That's 100% fair, and um, this is something false teachers and or grandiose narcissists will do, is they recruit people to become flying monkeys for them. And what was happening in the background... That's actually the technical term, correct? That is actually the that's technical what, yeah, term. That's what yeah, I, that's what it is. It's in the Greek. It's in the Greek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say something in Latin-y, so I'll just not say that. Um, but they recruit people to become flying monkeys, and he had, he had converted me into a flying monkey for him. So basically, the template for that email came from Pastor Tom, you know, I... I was just sitting there, what do I say? What do I do? You know, mm-hmm. and I became this little sort of panting puppy dog to, you know, I wanted to be discipled by him and learn from him. Uh, even though I had those reservations initially up front, like I was able to suppress that and go along with this. And it, it's just one of the, one of my biggest regrets, Lance. And I know I've apologized a thousand times, but I really, really hate that I sent you that email. And I appreciate, I already know you forgive me, so I'm not going to ask for your forgiveness again, but I appreciate the fact that you forgive me for that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, you know, I think once you made the decision to go that direction, that was your only option, right? Like, like that was your, Mm -hmm. that was your only option was to become, we wouldn't have used that term at the time, but to become a flying monkey. That was your only, yeah. That was easily the next step. That was the natural next step. And that it was either that or you had to leave Tom's church. And get an email like that from somebody else. Right. Or have yeah. that 
told to your face, kind of like you did from Tom. Yeah. So I'm sure my email sounded a lot like what Tom already said. Absolutely, to you. yeah. yeah. And I'm sure when you read it, I'm assuming you said this sounds like Tom. I did, yeah, but I I just was like, I'm really shocked that this comes from Mike. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even though I knew that Pastor Tom had to have influenced that, I was surprised that you sent it. Was yeah. it commanded to send such a thing for you to Lance or commended where heavily encouraged? Uh, I would say it was definitely, I mean, borderline commanded. Yeah. You know, I think I could have not responded as well. Would probably have been another option, but yeah, I f- felt like I needed to respond. And let's just be clear here. I am responsible for sending that email. Like Tom may have had a hand in it, but I own that. And I did that. And that's, I don't blame him for, but, um, he definitely had a strong hand in, in encouraging that Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and then there was that push to, you know, you need to respond this way if you're going to respond. So it's the whole cult mentality of mm-hmm. us versus them. Yeah. We're, we have the truth and those losers don't. That was really the thrust. Yeah. Fun fact is I did the same thing to Michael years later because you eventually escaped the cult. I, it's harsh calling it a cult because I would, I would posit that everybody in that church, except for Tom was probably saved. Maybe his wife wasn't, she might've been, I don't know. Did you guys, I've, I've heard you say that through the years. Did you guys see something from her? Cause to me, she was a victim just like the rest of us. That's why I'm not sure. I feel like she's a victim, um, controlled, stuck in that relationship, coming from an unhealthy background herself of a, a, a divided home, okay. a broken home on her I end. I didn't know that about her. Yeah, coming then to be with Pastor Tom. I don't know. Uh, maybe where they've landed the little bit about I know that I know about where they are now, I can't tell. But you're also stuck in this abusive relationship that is not healthy, that has certain standards that you have to meet in order to maintain this relationship with your spouse, um, who is the provider, sort of, even though he's not. That's another episode, I'm sure, (laughs) where false teachers land. And I don't know about her. Maybe. I never personally saw anything that would make me think, oh, boy, maybe she's not rocking with the Lord, you know? Yeah. There was more just issues of the way he treated her that showed more characteristics of him than of her. And I mean, her godliness might be displayed in the fact that she stays with him. And this is true too. You know, this is true too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. So the fun fact is having Mike, having escaped this abusive situation under pastor Tom, the church ended up dissolving approximately five years after it started. We'll call it four to five years. And it was either just before it dissolved, as it was dying, which it was dying, or just after it dissolved. I did the same thing to Mike. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember why. I'm sure there was compulsion from PT. I had emailed you and said, hey, haven't heard from you in a while. How are you? Was that, was that the start of it? Yeah. And then you never really responded. And so you finally... 
sent me an email back. So I, because I had gone away to college, it had been that's right. It had been like two and a half years since. And we you talked. had gone quote unquote apostate because you were in Lance's wedding. Mm-hmm. That's and how Mike and I re. You asked United Mike to be was in the I, wedding. I asked Mike to be at my wedding. I emailed him and I said, "See what I, Lord does." I ref- so all along, I kind of refused to accept the terms of your email. <laughs> Good, thank you. you did <laughs> thank not, you for you that. You did not click accept and submit. Um, I, I refused to accept the terms, and I know I several times reaching out to the both of you and inviting, hey, we're having a movie night or hey, we're, you know, let's get together. Hey, and, and there would be initial like, yeah, well, you know, come over and then it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. And I remember, um, another friend of ours that I was living with at the time, roommate of ours, a roommate of mine, uh, we were both like anticipating your arrival and like looking out the, you know, looking out the front window because we really thought you guys were coming, and and you, you know, yeah, just in this in this context, you ghosted us. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> wow. Well, for holiness, uh, because you said you actually agreed to come, mm. and yeah. then you ghosted us. Well, we did it for righteousness and holiness in the sure. true kingdom. Yeah, you know how that is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. did it for the, 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 um, the and righteous so, one. So I remember when when I was getting married, my email to Mike was. Look, I can't imagine getting married without you as one of my groomsmen. That was the basic thing of it. Like, our friendship means a lot to me, and I would love for you to be in the wedding. I was probably as floored. So when you responded and said yes, I was probably as floored as when I received the faithful or the wounds of a friend. Yeah. I was shocked. Um, and then you laid out that you hadn't, that you had left there and that you were, you know, what you were going through and, and kind of the, the progress that you had been making to recover from, from that. And it, then I felt confident that, cause I didn't even know if you said yes, were you actually going to do it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, did I ever so, actually apologize to you about that email? The, that I sent you the, the earlier with the faithful, faithful and, wounds of a friend one. Oh yeah. I mean, okay. At some point, I don't remember. Okay, I don't remember when. I, I don't. I don't know. I didn't. I never held it like. I never held it as a grudge. Okay, to be honest. So I didn't. I wasn't like pining for an apology necessarily. Yeah, but I owed you one, and I hope I. If I did, I know you have yeah. since okay. then. Okay, so. good. Okay, just making sure because I don't want to. You know, I don't leave know if that it was before you were in the wedding done. or not. You're like yeah. I don't remember when, but it certainly. I feel like that. That initial email back would have been a perfect time, but I may not have. And done it may it, then. it may yeah. have been in that. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I that's know. neither here nor there. But yeah. Thank you for yeah. recounting that. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so that was that was our reconciliation, and and I remember being heartbroken to hear that you two were having the the same experience that I had with the two of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, at that moment. Well, that so. was because Michael went apostate. He turned back to Lance. <laughs> mm-hmm. He went back to Church A. You were basically a son of Korah, you know. That sounds about right. A male Jezebel, if you will. You know, I was waiting for the dogs to eat you, <laughs> according to Pastor Tom. <laughs> yeah. I, and, sounds like stuff he would say. Yeah. And that, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's true. 
dust the wipe the dust from his feet of your presence. Yeah. Kind of a thing. So do we do it? We have the letter that I wrote to Mike. Now we have lost the annals of time, the letter that Lance received. I held from Mike. on to that for a long time. Did you? And there was just a time where I was going through some 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 files in my computer and I'm like, why am I holding on to this? Time like, to get rid of it. Yeah, why you know, there's a part of me now because we're doing this that I wish I had it. I know. I even looked for yeah. it in my emails and I couldn't find it. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Divine so. providence. But, but it sounded almost identical to what. Yeah, to what I wrote to yeah, Michael. to what. Which so, we do have. To me. Which we do have. So mm-hmm. with that, I actually don't remember what I wrote. And I just briefly skimmed over it. So this will be the first time I've read this trash <laughs> since I composed it in 2009. So Church B was dissolving or dissolved. There was an impetus for some reason to reach out to Mike. Oh, you had said you reached out to me. Yeah. So there was a need to respond appropriately, according to PT, Pastor Tom. And this is uh, this is the garbage that was from my fingertips to the computer to your email inbox. Basically a really lame Emperor Palpatine with the lightning coming from it. But way jankier and stupider <laughs> and a lot more arrogant. Well, maybe not a lot more arrogant, but stupider. So, Michael, I feel as though I owe you an explanation as to what is going on and why. There's been a rebellion on your part, and I will not associate with that until there is repentance. It's one thing to leave a church with a blessing and support. It's another to leave going against what leadership has directed you were directed and shown what direction aside. There's a lot of redundancy here that I am. I'm more, almost equally ashamed of the redundancy as I am of the trash that was written. I will, I will tell you that is a staple of pastor Tom, the redundancy. Yes. He was very redundant in, in the way he would speak in the way that he would speak. So scratch back. You were directed and shown what direction to go when leaving church B and you left in the opposite direction jonah yeah you, you jonah how dare you start casting lots and get redeemed that's a joke not what was written there was also a history of creating division against pastor tom until it was exposed to him i don't remember what that was rebelliousness and fractiousness which was a, a favorite word of pastor tom's are two things that I do not and will not associate with, especially by a brother in Christ. So you're rebellious and fractious, but I still called you a brother. So that was there. There needs to be repentance to Pastor Tom. And as far as I know, you have not done so. You left and split in the Lord's, uh, left and spit in the Lord's face by rebelling against the authority he has established in his church. And leaving uh, Church A does not right the wrong to restore our relationship. Side note, Michael had gone back to Church A, and that was a point of apparent contention because you went back to Gehenna, according to Pastor Tom. Right. Can I point out something else? Do it. There needs to be repentance to Pastor Tom. Yes, not to the Lord. Not to the Lord. Mm -hmm. To Pastor Tom. You need to repent to Pastor Tom. That's a good point. So (laughs) back to the whole cult garbage. So... Uh, leaving, just leaving the apostate church A, the addendum there, does not right or restore our relationship. Our relationship was left in an awkward position by 
me not letting you know what was going on, and that was my error. But now you know why we are the way we are. The, this, the word smithing there just astounds me. It's, <laughs> it's, it's very uh, Hemingway-esque, if I will. <laughs> um, that's garbage. I will not listen to any justification you might have for doing what you did or what you are currently doing. If you want to communicate anything to me, do so by email. Otherwise, ignore me if you see me in public because I will do the same to you. Wow. There's very before Christ words I want to use against myself here. <laughs> Restoration must be made between you and Pastor Tom. Back to Lance's point. Not to the Lord, but Pastor Tom. Uh, first, uh, must be made between you and Pastor Tom first. Then we can work on things. If you're a true child of God, then it will be an easy fix. You'll just need to act accordingly to truth and righteousness. I have no reason to doubt your faith, but remember the Lord will let his children rebel for only so long before correction is made. You can either judge your body towards righteousness. That was a Tom thing, too, that judge your body towards righteousness thing. I was going to say, this sounds like a quote. It probably was. Uh, You can judge your body towards righteousness or let the Lord discipline you into righteousness. If you do what is right then you will be taken back with open arms. But if rebellion continues, then don't even respond to this letter, Steve. You are a brave man, and I commend you for reading that right man, now. That was <laughs> trash. This sounds very similar to what I sent Lance. Would you say, yeah. Lance, that's an, uh, accurate? Yeah, well, and actually, when you know, before we started recording and we, we passed this out, I started laughing as I started reading it because it sounded... It sounded very much like what I remember it was that email to be. Probably yeah, same ba- tone, basic same tenor, same. same yeah, basic I don't think it's feel. word for word, obviously, but it's but it has same the themes. same. It rhymes that same idea. Yeah, yeah same yeah. feel. Yeah. yeah, so that was that was exciting. And then I didn't have the discernment that Lance did, and still does, <laughs> to decide not to respond to this. So I just that was that was that was people strongly urging me not to. I wrote about four responses and I kept going back to the same two people that I really highly respected and said, I come with the first one. They go, I wouldn't send that. Okay. I go back and write another one. I come back. Nah, I wouldn't send it. Okay. Go back. And And then they're finally like, just don't send one. That's what we're trying to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) They were kindly trying to discourage (laughs) you. I was like, okay. So, but you had good counselors (laughs) and that's, you know, you listened. So that you did much better. I did respond and this is, I don't think you've ever read this, right? I never did. So I, yeah, I responded. This is the first time I'm hearing your response. So this is the first time Steve's (laughs) hearing the response. So it'll be, I would love. You could have repented in this email and he would not have known it because he refused to read it. I could have said, you're right. I'm going to go talk to Tom after this. I'm going to buy him Starbucks and I'm going to put on my my Colt robe and we're going to. You know, grab torches and run off into the woods. I think I probably read like the first sentence. I'm like, oh, he's still apostate. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so here, here was, here was, I just started with one. Yeah. <laughs> no high. The number no one. High, no no. <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> I just started with the number one. Explain to me why Church B has failed. Was it something that I did? I would have said yes. You probably, probably. would have. <laughs> Two, if I'm factious, then name one person that told you in bold that they left because of what I said about Tom. Is there any real evidence that anyone left because of me or just hearsay? Furthermore, did I ever slander Tom to you? Three, explain why even the elders left the church. Did I convince them to leave or was it something else? Four, 
Do you believe that the elders who left are also dissenters? Five, explain how in light of the dissolving of Tom's church, you can continue to convince yourself that God is blessing the ministry effort there. That being said, no matter what you believe about me, even if you believe that I'm the devil himself, the truth of God's word still stands, and it instructs us as Christians not to put men between us and God. And this is what I think I quoted last, uh, in another episode. Uh, it's Matthew 23, 8 through 12, but you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers, and call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So, I was hot when I wrote this, as you can tell. But. What's interesting about that, as i hearing you read that response, um, the fingerprints of Pastor Tom were still on your heart when you wrote mm-hmm. when you wrote this because it's it's very much how he would respond to being called a heretic or mm-hmm. <laughs> or an apostate well, or and whatever. Part of it is just me being like that too. Absolutely, at the time, yeah. like I, I, this is just part of part of like my more uh, cagey side. And a lot of that was was influenced by Tom because I was around him so long. Yeah, but so, I don't. I don't think you would respond the same way today. I definitely wouldn't. I it it was it was where I was at at the time. Yeah. Um. So it goes on to say God actually calls us in this passage not to call any man on earth our teacher, father, or rabbi to rebel against the leader who demands this kind of submission is biblical rebellion. According to this passage, God will humble a leader who puts themselves in this position. What you are witnessing in the church, brother, is God humbling Tom. As for the email you sent me, I don't believe for one second that you acted entirely of your own compulsion in writing what you did. The reason he doesn't believe that is because he didn't act in his yeah. own compulsion. Yeah, because I knew exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, first yeah. experience there. Yeah, that email doesn't sound like you. It sounds like Tom. The Steve that I remember actually made decisions based on the leading of the Spirit according to the Word of God, no matter what the consequences were. Is Tom now the Holy Spirit in your life? This is not like you, Steve, and I don't believe that you actually believe what you wrote. Furthermore, I don't believe that you think that God is blessing Tom's church or that things are even going God's direction. Just know this, I truly love you in the Lord, and my heart breaks for you, knowing that position that you are in, which I was previously in but have escaped. My phone is always on for you, my email is always available, and my door is always open. Furthermore, if you see me in public, I hope we get to have a warm and friendly reunion rather than an awkward disappearing act. You know that isn't what's truly in your heart! Exclamation point! <laughs> it's hard for me to believe that you actually think I'm a rebel, and I have a sneaking suspicion that you yourself want out of the position that you're in, so just follow the Lord on this one and get out! Don't just listen to what you're being told by Tom. Weigh what he is saying against the obvious facts that are staring you in the face every day, namely that the church is basically dead. How likely is it that everyone else is wrong? I would have said very likely. Yeah, at, at the, the time, time, probably. <laughs> I remember... I don't know if it was after this letter was written before. It was after you definitely left. Mm-hmm. And I saw you walk. I pulled up, stopped for a pedestrian to walk by, and you walked by right in front of my car to go into Ross on South Street over there. I probably didn't see you, did in I? In the Long Beach area. No, because you know I was just in a car and you're a pedestrian walking by, and I thought, oh, dear Lord, I hope he doesn't see me. And I was <laughs> Isn't so thankful that the same response Ross. you had when you saw me at Shepherd's Conference? Yes, it was. <laughs> it, it literally was. So to circle down to that, this garbage occurred, and then very clearly, this isn't the first time we've talked in you know 
what was that, 2009, 13 years. Yeah. We've talked plenty since then. We've had plenty of time. And I was, the Lord had worked in my heart, removed Tom from my life, um, in, just in God's providence, mainly because the church wasn't making money. Tom needed to move on, and I wasn't providing the same help or money that we had before. Not that we gave much, but we provided something. So he basically left and then would come back when he needed something and then would leave and come. Anyway, it's a cycle of nonsense. And the Lord had been growing me and showing me and helping me work through all the trauma that had occurred uh, at my current church, just the discipleship of faithful men, the work of the word and the Holy Spirit in my life to redeem and restore. And I had opportunity to go to Shepherd's Conference at Grace Community Church 2016, 17-ish, sure. we'll call it somewhere in that world. And I was in line. I had gone by myself because somebody paid for me to go. So I just went. I was in line for in and out And all of a sudden, I see Lance walking up towards me. And I think, well, I saw you before the first day. And I thought, oh, there's Lance. I need to avoid him. And I saw you the morning of the second day. And I thought, oh, there he is again. I'm going to go sit over here. And then at lunch, I was standing in line and I didn't want to leave my food. So I just waited for you to approach me, which, you know, is my normal response. I'll put up with a lot of stuff for food. <laughs> hey, that makes two of us. Yeah. yeah you, you look at me, you'd understand why. And we chatted for the first time in over a decade. Well, so I had been told by a mutual friend yes. of ours, hey, Steve's in line over there. And I'm like, Steve who? <laughs> it's like Steve stirs. I'm like, really? And so I I went looking for you, and I will tell you that I would have walked right past you because I didn't rec- I honestly Funny. didn't recognize you. But as I was walking up, you did that awkward like, "Hey, what's up?" Hey, you know. And I was like, "Oh, that must be him." <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny um, oh my. so I would have I was like walking the people were in line I'm walking like against opposite traffic. direction against traffic trying to glance at name tags to see if I can pick up on you know who I'm looking for and uh, I I wouldn't have I wouldn't have recognized you didn't have the you at that time you had the beard that you have now yeah. you didn't have that when we knew each other before then I and think so, I had glasses at the time which I don't really wear anymore so I was like I, I would not have recognized you, um, but that awkward because you felt me approaching. That I had, to, I had to respond. And so you responded, and that keyed me into who you yeah. were, so to speak. That was probably, what, a three- to five-minute conversation? Yeah. It was like short. That. It was short. And that was it. Mm-hmm. We were done. And I went about the rest of the day. I don't remember what happened. You went about the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And the next morning, which was the third day of Shepherd's Conference, mm-hmm. First session happened, which was in the sanctuary. And I remember I was talking to my uncle who goes there as well. Mm-hmm. And you came up and we just started chatting. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning of it. Yeah. And I think we missed a few sessions because we sat yeah. out in the... We hung out. We hung out and just caught up on life. and Because so, I took a picture of the two of us at Shepherd's Conference and sent it to you and yeah. said, hey, look, I'm yep. hanging yeah. out with. And uh, and I called you on the way home from Shepherd's Conference that night. Yeah, we talked we for chat. like a minute. Man. I think, I think so, we talked for like an hour The whole ride home. Yeah. And then we reconnected a couple weeks later. Mm-hmm. That was the thing, because I had asked you, hey, do you, have you talked to, you know, yeah, talked to Mike? And Mike. you were like, no, no, we haven't. And I, I remember in my head going, that's not okay. 
So that's what I took the back <laughs> yeah. and was like, you know. Can I, yeah. you know, pointing out the obvious, which is one of my spiritual gifts. Um, you are the captain. Hey, captain obvious. I am. It's, <laughs> a, it's a thing. It's a real thing, guys. Um, the fact that we are still just as good of friends, if not better friends than we were yeah. before this all happened, is a testimony to God's grace and work in our lives yeah. in a huge way. Amen. You know, this is, you know, living out the gospel and it's the Holy Spirit doing it through us. You know, it's not our greatness or our wisdom or our, you know, grandiose forgiveness. It's a work of the Holy Spirit that we're all reconciled and we yep. can sit here in this room together and talk about this stuff. And like, not only are there no hard feelings, like I'm like just overjoyed that we're still friends and, and better friends. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the friendship is much different. It is. Yeah. But in a good way. Yeah. Not that it was bad. We didn't know it was, it wasn't bad, but yeah. we didn't know. We were, there, we were unhealthy though. We didn't know there was anything wrong with it. We didn't realize it. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and it's a, it's a much healthier friendship yeah. now and, and adversity does that. And I just yeah. think, uh, as you were mentioning, Mike, that the gospel is on display in our mm -hmm. friendships. Um, and I would say one application I've always taken from the restoration of the three of us and our, our friendship is it points us towards the greater um, future of what heaven is like. Because when we reconnected, it was almost as though we had never missed a beat in many ways. I mean, there, there was growth and reconnecting in some sure. ways, but when the Lord reunited us with friendship for his glory, uh, restored the relationships, it was like we really had, we had missed a couple weeks together in some ways. Would you agree to that? Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, mean, I feel that that's what heaven will be like when we're restored with our loved ones and mm -hmm. our friends that have gone before us, that yeah. we'll get there. It's been a long time as far as we're concerned, but we'll see each other and there'll be this reuniting, this restoration. And as it will be, I, I have a, we'll find out <laughs> one day, but I have a very strong feeling that it will be like that where we're like, oh, let's catch up. And it's like, we have never missed a beat. It's a little foretaste of heaven yeah. in some weird Amen. way in God's providence, yeah, which I, I love. I think the main point or the main illustration is the forgiveness that Christ offers us yes. is what we're called to give others, right? And, and so to be very real and to be very raw, you guys hurt me deeply. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yep. I'm sure that that, that hurt you. Yep. You know, there, there was that Steve's email hurt, hurt Mike. Um, and it, it was a very deep, it was very real. Um, but there was never a doubt about whether I wanted to reconcile that relationship. Not because I'm so super spiritual, but because the Holy Spirit was just like, brother, this is what you, this is what you got to do, yeah. you know? And, um, and I think that that's the, the great illustration of this, of this reconciliation is, is it shows that there's not, there's nothing so bad that we can do that Christ can't forgive us hmm. for. Amen. Uh, because exactly. in the grand scheme of life, what happened between the rift that happened between us was pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people never come back from stuff like this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. And it's, it's a big deal. It's stuff that affects them for the rest of their life. There might be some people listening who are, who are what I would call walking wounded yeah. mm -hmm. from something like this, right? Is they're still functioning and they're still alive, but but it's it's a, a very it was a very traumatic 
experience and they might not have the reconciliation that we had. Which I would say where I was pre-16. Yeah. Before the restoration, there was a walking wounded, but I couldn't describe, I couldn't tangibly hold on to, Mm -hmm. but there was something there. I remember Pastor Tom called my grandmother, my mom's mom had passed away and we were getting ready for the funeral a day or so. And I hadn't spoken to him in a long time and I didn't want to, I was done. I was, I felt used and I was just like, I'm confused. I was jaded in my faith. Things weren't healthy spiritually for me. And he called, I remember picking up the phone and looking at it and he, oh, I want to talk to him. And I hit answer by accident and I had the most awkward conversation and he's like, Hey, how you doing? Like he wanted something. I don't know what he wanted, but I know he wanted something and I never heard from him again. I haven't heard from him since because I think he knew it was done. Yeah. But that that wounding that you're speaking of was there, and it was confusion, and and you don't know what's going on and why. Why would the Lord allow this? What? Why would you know all these different things? And the restoration is so um, much more glorious on my end, yeah. because of that. Yeah, and I think that's I think it's worth if you're listening and you're experiencing that woundedness. I think it's worth fervent prayer. Yes, for reconciliation. Amen. Yes. I know, I'm sure you prayed for me and Steve the whole time we were at Tom's church. And I know I, well, I stopped praying for you because of my stupid, uh, you know, beliefs about what happened at, you know, the church for a while. But obviously that changed at some point um, during my life. But I definitely was praying for Steve, you know, when I escaped and, you know, was all the way up until we finally reunited. And it was like, like you said, it's kind of, it is like a foretaste of heaven in a lot of ways. It's good times. Well, with that, this has been Rants and Revelations, Faithful are the Wounds of a Friend. How great is the restoration of the Lord? Amen. 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 So with that, we'll catch you next time, maybe with Lance, maybe not. You'll have to tune in to see if the Skifter is here or not. Can I just say something in closing? Do it. I love you guys. Love you, Lance. Really love, you, love you too, man. Yeah. That we had the reconciliation that we Amen. had. So. It oh, is man. a wonderful thing. Amen. Yeah, me too. Amen. I am so grateful. The same here. Right. Well, I'm Steve. I'm Mike. I'm Lance. We'll catch you next time.